Hey, I'm Asher. And I'm Jackson. And what you're about to listen to is strictly confidential. So, Asher. So, Jackson. I'd like to start off by establishing a new strictly confidential tradition. Ooh. It is the season for traditions. Yes. And around this time of year, tis the season, I would like us to do a bracket of all of the famous and popular Christmas characters and who would win in a fight to the death. (laughs) And so if our listeners want to follow along, by the time this episode goes live, this bracket will be on our Twitter and on our Instagram, which we'll tell you about at the end of the show. But I figured we could go through and figure out, okay, who would win in a fight to the death? Does that sound good? Okay, so, and I mean, off the top of the dome, we got Snow Miser and Heat Miser. Like, they have elemental powers, so that's significant. So, since uh, since I don't know who either of those characters are, they aren't on my bracket, so do you want me You're to- You're insane! You don't know who Snow Miser and Heat Miser? Nah. There's no way. Nah, 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 nah. You're about to get blown up for that. That's fine. I'm fine with that. Uh, I have pretty strong pride. So we're going to, I'm going to read you through my list and then we're going to work battle by battle. Okay. Okay. So in the Western Conference, we've got Frosty the Snowman versus Mrs. Claus. We've got Rudolph the Reindeer versus Officer John McClane. (laughs) We've got Buddy the Elf versus Scrooge. And we've got Krampus versus a team of the three Christmas ghosts. I love it. And then in the Eastern Conference, we've got Santa versus the Abominable Snowman. We've got Blitzen the Reindeer versus Jack Skellington. We've got Hans Gruber, the villain from Die Hard versus the Grinch. Oh, damn. And uh, yeah, that one's two people who hate Christmas. And we've got, as our last bracket, Jack Frost versus Ralphie from A Christmas Story. This is a good spread. I feel like... I, I was just thinking about like the 60s animated, like stop motion but this is all across the christmas universe and i wanted to make it like that i wanted to keep our conferences pretty pretty general so do you want to dive right in let's see who wins yeah man all right who would win between frosty and mrs claus okay so mrs claus not really known for her feats of strength but i mean we can assume that like if she's been married to santa claus as long as santa claus has been around which is hundreds of years, then we can assume that she's probably a demigod as well and has unnaturally long life. Yeah, I'm with you on that. The Honestly, the main reason... So my wife Shannon came up with this idea for this bracket. And the main reason it was so easy to sell for me, and maybe I should have put this fight later on, but it's just because I immediately envisioned Frosty the Snowman getting the shit kicked out of him by Mrs. Claus. <laughs> But my reasoning for that, I think, is that Mrs. Claus is, like, immediately she's not going to sound that impressive, right? But remember... No, not, not not right off the bat. You do imagine a sweet grandmother type figure. But remember, her sloppy husband has only been working one month out of the year for the entire eternity. Good point. She's got to carry this household 11 months of the year. Yeah, I mean, I guess the fact that the North Pole is still in operation is due largely to her. And I think if you're thinking from a strategy sense, all, all she needs to do is knock off Frosty's hat and he's just a big pile of snow. 
Oh, that's true. <laughs> you don't even you don't even have to go for the body blows into the snow because I mean I assume he doesn't feel pain. I imagine he doesn't, but I also imagine that the less snow he has, the less he can do. But I think yeah. Are we in agreement that Mrs. Claus wins this round? Mrs. Claus beats his ass ten times out of ten. Yeah. Okay. Second round, we got to move quickly because we've got a sweet sixteen here. So uh, Rudolph the Snowman versus Officer John McClane. Okay, Rudolph is definitely not a snowman. Okay, Rudolph the Reindeer versus Officer John McLean. Okay, so when I, you said you didn't know Heat Miser and Snow Miser, I'm going to tell you, I don't know John McLean. Uh, so have you never seen Die Hard? I have not seen Die Hard. Uh-oh. Now okay. I'm going to get blown up. This is our most controversial episode yet. Yeah, this is definitely our most controversial episode. Basically, Officer John McLean is a police officer who has to protect a building of people on Christmas from the villain Hans Gruber. And I think his biggest character trait here is that he is very strong and has a gun. (laughs) And as we all know, reindeer are weak to gun. I also have always pictured Rudolph as kind of being a little more whiny than the average reindeer. Okay, but what Rudolph got, he can fly. That's pretty impressive. But I don't think he can outrun a bullet from John McClane. I do want us to typically, though, avoid the bullet argument because I think... Most of these characters can't outrun a bullet. That's a good point. And I guess in a one-on-one combat arena, they're not really allowing firearms to begin with. In this case, I'm actually imagining Rudolph because I've seen videos of people getting kicked by horses. Yeah. And so I think I'm going to Yeah, go- I mean, horses don't even have antlers, so fighting a reindeer must be even tougher. Yeah, how are you going to hit that face when all he has to do is pull his head down and you got that big cage of antlers? I mean, how are you going to hit that face when he just lights up his nose and you're blinded? Then he just goes for the sucker punch. I Yeah, I think Rudolph takes this one. All right. Next round is Buddy the Elf versus Scrooge. Okay. These are both physically feeble characters. Yes. Buddy the Elf, though, probably the height advantage because this is Will Ferrell we're talking about. I watched, uh, Elf, I watched Elf last night in research for this segment, and it turns out Buddy the Elf is listed at being 6'3". Which is okay. a pretty good height. I mean, I know Scrooge is supposed to be kind of tall and wiry, too. And he's kind of got that, like, old man strength, you know, where, like, old guys can run marathons because they've kind of, like, built up long-term endurance over their life. But um, I think he's still mostly just a sack of bones, and uh, uh, Buddy the Elf takes this one. Are you sure? Because when I'm envisioning this one, I'm envisioning it as these guys are both hella weak. Yeah. One of them... I remember seeing in a fight in the movie, in Elf, he fights with uh, Tyrion Lannister's character. Oh, that's true. He does. We've seen but, him in combat. And and he doesn't do great there. But I think this one ends up <laughs> no. being more of a battle with words of intimidation. Okay. And Scrooge just completely outplays him there. Yeah, that, that's hands down Scrooge. And so I'm going to go with Scrooge. Um, okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll switch camps and go with Scrooge as well, because I'm really not seeing Buddy ever being any kind of a fighter. Krampus versus the three Christmas ghosts. That's a tough one. These are like top tier teams. Yeah. Kramp- I mean, Krampus obviously has like the more dominating presence and the scarier. I don't know. Like he's this huge muscular goat man invented to be a terror. Yeah. But uh, the three ghosts, there's three of them and they're incorporeal. So that's definitely an advantage as well. Yeah, I'm not sure on this one. This is one I hadn't really thought about before I came up with the bracket. I feel. <laughs> and so for that reason, for the future of this bracket, I think we should just go with Krampus as the winner of this one. 
Okay, well, I'm going to stick with ghosts because I have a feeling if they have the ability to poltergeist some chains, I think that they'll be able to strangle Krampus. He won't be able to hit them. That's what I'm thinking. So I'm actually going to take the opposite on this one. Well, if we're if we're uneven, do we on have that, to be in agreement to move on. I think we should because this is the only way we don't we aren't actually going to get to see these bad boys fight. I think that Krampus has the fear element that the ghosts don't really have. Yeah, I mean the ghosts are scary, but I guess they are just trying to teach Scrooge a lesson. They're pretty they're pretty good natured at heart. Where Krampus is genuinely trying to kill. Yeah. Okay. Alright, we can go Krampus just because of the sheer animosity. And yeah. I, I think Krampus would not stop until he had that W. Alright, uh let's go to the East real fast and let's try and move a little quicker because I think these are as good, but I'm excited to see where this whole thing ends up. So Santa versus the abominable snowman. Abominable snowman. I agree, but let me hear your argument. Well, I mean, what's Santa got? We already we've been shitting on Santa up until now, and I, I'm, I'm kind of believing what I'm saying. Okay, I uh, that's kind of exactly my argument. Is Abominable Snowman is a villain already? Santa only works one month out of the year, and all he does is move presents around. Like homie, yeah, homie. Only confirmed power is fitting down small chimneys, but I don't think that exiting the arena counts as a win all right uh next round blitzen versus jack skellington hmm i think i might have to go the reindeer argument here again like jack yeah i mean in this if you're gonna go with hmm this one's a thinker yeah it is i mean these are essentially both 500 teams yeah honestly i would be satisfied going either way because i love jack skellington so much but i think here a reindeer that could just kick the bones out of this skeleton yeah, I mean, I guess Jack Skellington, he never really displays any feats of physical strength. He does defeat Oogie Boogie, but there's some there's some trickery involved in that. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to go uh I think we're going to go with the reindeer on this one cuz I think he's just got that raw mo- mother nature just imbued him with raw musculature like that, so. And then uh Hans Gruber versus the Grinch. These are both two fellas that hate Christmas and hate what's going on at Christmas time. You haven't seen Die Hard. Hans Gruber is played by Alan Rickman in what I think might be actually Alan Rickman's best role, um, which is crazy coming from somebody who loves the Harry Potter series. Yeah, that's a lot to say. Uh, that's but a big deal. He does a an unbelievably good job in this role, and I think we need to ignore, again, the fact that he is he has a gun. Yeah, and- I mean, we've been going by, like, evilness and willingness to to win, and if that's what we stick with, we go with the Grinch. As long as we're not talking about Illuminations, the Grinch. We're talking about the OG Grinch. He was such an asshole. He kicked the shit out of his own dog. This is a, that the original Grinch would do anything to win. Anything. Like that's a guy who plays dirty. Yeah. I'm good with going on the Grinch on this one. I don't have I don't have any dog in this race, but even though the Grinch does. You ready for the last bracket of the Eastern Conference? Yep. And this one's a tough one because these were the two guys I thought of last because I was running out of ideas. It's Jack Frost and Ralphie from A Christmas Story. <laughs> and here's my argument for this. I think Ralphie might win. And I know we said we're going to ignore guns. But remember, the difference between Ralphie and John McClane is that John McClane had experience with his gun. All Ralphie knew how to do is potentially shoot his eye out. <laughs> and so I think here the battle becomes between... A BB gun and frozen ice powers. I don't think that reckless abandon is enough to beat Jack Frost. I think Jack Frost would just absolutely, in, like, would just encapsulate him in an ice cube, and that would be that. 
That seems like a good enough answer to me. And that wraps up the bracketing and fighting for round one. Tune in next week for the fights of round two and to see who comes to the top. I'll remind you of who won of each round. We got Mrs. Claus versus Rudolph to look forward to. We got Scrooge versus Krampus to look forward to. Damn. We got the Abominable Snowman versus Blitz and the Reindeer. And then the Grinch versus Jack Frost. So uh, the round one of this bracket will go online and you'll be able to see and uh, do some predictions for what will happen next week. And yeah, get hyped. Now that all the weaklings have been weeded out, we're down to nothing but the bloodbath. Well, if you want to listen to the results of next week's bracket, you can tune in from anywhere thanks to the wonder of the internet. We don't have the limited broadcast distance of radio, but actually there's been a way to broadcast radio across the globe for decades now. It's known as shortwave radio, and today we're talking about number stations. And I have no idea what any of that means, so I'm excited to see where this goes. So number stations are pretty much what they sound like. It's a radio station that reads off numbers. And if that sounds boring, well, then you don't really understand the terrifying implications that go along with it. Now, uh, actually, you know what? This is an audio format. Let's go ahead and before I talk about anything else, let's just let you and the listeners at home listen to what a number station sounds like. Okay, I'm scared shitless. So you're scared of that. That is actually one of the more pleasant number stations. That's the Lincolnshire Poacher. That is a English version of what has existed for years all around the world as these shortwave broadcasts. And the reason that shortwave broadcasts are so terrifying is that by their nature, we don't really know who's broadcasting them or for what purpose. That mystery terrifies me. Have you ever watched Lost at all? Yeah. Um, how far did you get into it? Uh, season two, where a lot of people fell off. Wasn't season two like 60 episodes or something? Yeah. Okay, so I got to around the 60th episode of season two. Did you get to the part where the guy hears the... Or like, they find the guy who's been living on the island for years and has... This is a spoiler, but... Yes. Lost is like a 10-year-old show and is i think historically bad he finds he like has that radio station that is saying numbers but they don't know what yes. they mean yeah yeah so, so that, that i mean that that's that's drawn from this this comes from real life that concept a radio signal like what we're listening to with high quality quote unquote high quality relatively high quality radio transmissions for music you can only uh, be so far outside of the city that's broadcasting that because eventually that signal gets interrupted by hitting objects. Even the curvature of the earth will interrupt that signal. But shortwave radio actually does an amazing trick where it's transmitting shortwave radio frequencies that is reflected off of the ionosphere and back down to the earth. So hmm. you can actually basically hop over the horizon of the earth to broadcast a radio signal that can be picked up from the other side of the planet huh. and this has existed for a while and has been used by the military for communication 
You can use it for different... There's different radar applications. It's just really good for long-distance communication. So where this gets sinister is when you realize that you can communicate code and other encrypted messages, and no one can know where it's coming from or, more importantly, who is receiving it. Which is why shortwave radio is still in use today with intelligence agencies. Because if there, if you send an agent in another country an email, there's a very direct line that can be followed from the sender to the, to the recipient. But with radio, you don't know who is listening in. You may be able to figure out where the broadcast is coming from, but you'll never know who is listening. And with number stations, they're being broadcast across the earth. So that message although obviously encoded, could be for anyone and could mean anything. Are there a lot of these number stations? Is this something that you could find anywhere? Well, a hint towards where the paranoia comes from is that there used to be a lot more around the Cold War era. Okay. And a lot of this, a lot of the conspiracy around number stations stems from Cold War paranoia. It's so enigmatic, <coughs> it's as if it was designed with conspiracy theorists in mind. That came from BBC. Yeah, they have a great article called The Ghostly Radio Station that no one claims to run. Today, there's this station, and this is probably the most famous one of them all, MDZHB. Really catchy. It's more commonly known as The Buzzer because that's easier to say and it's pretty accurate to what you're listening to. You can listen to this online, but this is still something you can tune into right now on if you can get your radio set to the frequency 4625 kilohertz. You can listen to this sound. Like, you know how, like, you can't train jump scares out of someone. Yeah. Human body will always jump at a loud, unexpected noise. This is a bit different, but I think there's a primal instinct that causes terror when we hear sounds we don't understand. And I think there's something insanely different about this fear, too, in that I'm not only scared of hearing it, I'm scared of the idea of what might be the reason it stops. If it ever stops, you know what I mean? Oh, exactly. I mean, this, the buzzer has been playing that note, that tone since 1982. And it does occasionally stop. And sometimes it'll, a, a Russian voice will come on and just read three random words. And then you'll never hear anything else but the buzz for years. That's so good. This doesn't occur naturally. There is a station that is always broadcasting this. No one knows what it means. And the Russian government or and no one inside of Russia has ever claimed to be operating this station. So we don't even know who's broadcasting in this case. I love this so much. It's, it's terrifying. And that exact clip that we just played a second ago, we're going to let that play a little bit longer because the uploader actually caught a moment where the signal changes. And this could be an occurrence that only happens every, every few years.
So the only thing more terrifying than that continual drone is when the drone stops. Especially if you are in the camp that believes that this signal is a dead hand signal. What's a dead hand signal? It's a Cold War Cold War era automatic nuclear weapons control system powered by the Soviet Union. It's a system that exists and automatically triggers the launch of a Russian intercontinental ballistic missile strike by sending pre-entered high authority high authority order from the general staff of the armed forces. Basically, if the uh, it's a signal that if it ever stops, it automatically launches a nuclear bomb. Because it, it assumes that Russia has been destroyed, so it sends off their retaliation. There's a lot of pressure on this for people who believe that. It, by no, most accounts, it's normally switched off and supposed to be active during only the most dangerous times. So during a crisis, it's like, it's like armed and ready to go and ready to launch the nukes if Russia is destroyed. However, they do remain fully functional to this day. And they can serve their purpose whenever they're needed. And some listeners of the buzzer believe that this is the dead hand signal that has been beeping since the 80s. And if that if this broadcast ever stops nuclear Armageddon. That's crazy. So that's why when when there's any sort of interruption in the signal, it's terrifying. Yeah, it's kind of like it seems like from a perspective of people who think it could be a dead hand signal. Or it could not be, but I want to trust that it is just for the sake of my own safety, right? You want to trust that it is a dead hand signal? If I trust that it is a dead hand signal, I will always be prepared for what that means. That's true. And I imagine that's a lot of people's reasoning for believing that it is. There's actually a few other theories that are considerably less scary that would suggest what the purpose of this would be. One would be that, to, like I mentioned before, to use a, a shortwave radio signal effectively and broadcast across the planet, you have to bounce radio waves off the ionosphere. But the ionosphere is not a mirror. It kind of works as a wave in and of itself. So during the day, it, the ionosphere actually rises. And at night, as things cool off, it lowers back down. To get the furthest distance and the clearest signal, you have to adjust the frequency to match the change in the ionosphere. The BBC already does this, but the buzzer does not. The buzzer is the exact same signal all the time. Same frequency, no matter where the ionosphere is. So one theory is that it's actually used to measure the distance of the ionosphere above the Earth. The longer it takes for the signal to come back down the higher the ionosphere. For my own well-being, I'm going to pretend that's what it is. Okay, well, sorry, that's definitely not what it is because they why did do you, Why did you have to do this to me? Because there are broadcasts that exist to do exactly that, but they use a different noise because there's a particular frequency that is needed to actually measure distance, and the buzzer does not make that sound. The sound they normally use is closer to a car alarm, much higher pitched, and the buzzer is not suitable. So there's no way you can actually measure, measure distance with it. Another theory, and maybe this is the one that I believe, is that since shortwave radio exists within a very particular band, and it's broadcast across the Earth, and theoretically anyone can broadcast a shortwave radio station, that means there's actually really limited real estate. And if you want to have a shortwave radio station that you can use in a time of crisis, 
you may need to occupy that space. One theory is that Russia has this signal to broadcast messages during a state of emergency. And the beep that we're hearing is basically just so that other people don't use the signal because it would be too annoying to have something playing on top of it. I so think basically, it's just saying like, my station, my station, my station, my station, and not letting anyone else take it. That makes the most sense to me. And you were saying this is the one you think you believe? I think that's the one I believe. It's it's. I mean, it still doesn't answer the question of what the station is for and the fact that random voices will come on, read words, and then disappear for years is still pretty terrifying. But I do think that buzz, that beep that we're hearing that sounds like something out of the Silent Hill soundtrack has a much more per- like practical purpose and is not nearly as scary as like nuclear Armageddon. And I think that makes sense too. And I think honestly... The worldwide mysticism about this specific noise or number station. Is this classified still as a number station? Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't actually read any numbers. I, I'm i glad you picked up on that. But just any station that has an unknown origin and an unknown purpose and uses shortwave frequencies is just called a number station. Because they, that's normally that's what those are used to read off random numbers and they have been used for military intelligence. Agents in the field could get that code and they would understand what it meant. This is the kind of topic that I love us talking about because it's one of the few, or not few, but one of the ones that makes me think, I want to just read everything I can about this afterwards. But I imagine that that kind of mysticism around UVB 76, is that what this is called? Yeah, or the buzzer. That kind of mysticism around the buzzer is probably beneficial to this purpose if this is the purpose of this number station. Because then people will know, oh, I want to create a number station or I want to create a shortwave radio station. I can't use UVB 76 because that's the one that the buzzer is. It's both promoting shortwave radio as a form of communication and doing its job of occupying that radio frequency. It's a weird, weird kind of marketing. I became, I wouldn't say obsessed. This is a real rabbit hole. And there are people who are legitimately obsessed and think that these signals are being used to communicate with aliens, that they are giving information that only the Illuminati lizard people can understand. I mean, you know, it conspiracy stuff. But I actually heard a brilliant song by We Were Promised Jetpacks off the album These Four Walls, which is a really important album to me, that is just a guitar riff played over a numbers station. And it really sticks out on the album as being like the only thing that's like both beautiful and kind of terrifying and creepy. And I really didn't know what the woman reading numbers was about until I did a little research and stumbled upon this topic. What's the, just for my own sake and for the sake of listeners, is there a subreddit that talks about this? Oh, definitely. I have not, I mean, I, I haven't literally seen it, but I'm positive it exists. Okay. Because the, I mean, the buzzer has has at times had two hundred thousand listeners on the web on a website that broadcasts it. Like, if something strange happens on the buzzer, a post goes up like, "Guys, tune in the buzzer. Something weird is going on," and then hundreds of thousands of people tune in to see what's going on. So that's what's different about this one specifically is that it has a website live, so people can tell how many people are listening. Yeah, I mean, it's not like an official website. Again, literally anyone can tune into this. So some person who's just doing the uh, doing the Lord's work created their own radio station that basically saves people the step of having to tune into something really specific on an AM radio. That's wild. I want to find an AM radio now. 
Well, whether you believe that the signal is a dead hand signal that is staving off the apocalypse, whether it's occupying space so that it can be used in a state of emergency, or it's just used to measure distance of the ionosphere, all three camps, you better hope the buzzer keeps on buzzing. And so long as you're listening intently hunched over a radio, you might as well listen to some real music. Check out Threadbare by Glenn Merle. He did our theme song. It's on the album Burden of Proof. You can check it out on iTunes, check it out on Spotify, anywhere you get music. Always thankful to him for that jam. Yeah, and then if you want to follow us on social media, I think this might be the coolest week to do that, considering we've got this bracket that you can come up with your own theories on who's going to win and who's going to be the only one standing at the end. But I think it should be good. We'll be on, uh, I'll post that on our Instagram uh, at Strictly Confidential Show is our Instagram tag. And then I'll put that on our Twitter as well, which is S Confident Show. If you want to be on the show, it's been a little bit since we've had an interview episode. Uh, let us interview you. We would love to talk with you about whatever you're paranoid about. And if you have a best friend, tell them to listen to this show. If you like it, they might like it. Yeah, and I think that's uh, all we got. If you want to help us out a little bit, leaving reviews on iTunes are awesome. We love reading those and helping get our uh, egos a little bit stronger. <laughs> get, a little, get a little dopamine hit. Yeah, <laughs> get that. Mm. So as always and forever, I have been Asher. And I've been Jackson. And you've been listening to Strictly Confidential. And until next time, keep buzzing. Thank <laughs> you.